Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. series entitled margins it's about making room for god how we how in our everyday life we go we so busy so much going on so much squeezing in on us how do we really make room for that which is most important in our life and that's god in our relationship with him. Uh, last week we talked about how to hear God's voice. Very, very important. And I hope some of you started on your 777 plan this week. You had those encounter with God. Seven minutes in prayer, seven minutes in the word, and seven minutes for meditation. And if you've been doing that all week long, already you've been refreshed, you've been strengthened, you're creating margin for God, and you're seeing, gonna see God do awesome, amazing things in your life. Uh, today we're gonna talk about making room to grow and how we grow in our relationship with God, but it also affects how our relationship with each other all occurs and flows together. So let's stand together and read Acts chapter two, (coughs) excuse me, in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods, and they gave to everyone as he needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people, for the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. You are so good. We thank you, God, for your sweet presence in the house today. We love you so much. God, speak to us now through your word. Your word is truth. We give you all the praise and honor and glory for you alone are worthy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It is probably safe to say there was no tighter community of believers than what you saw in the early church. They broke bread together. They met together from house to house. They, they sought the Lord together. They sat under the apostles teaching together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They, they loved their community together. They saw people saved together. It all happened together in the body of Christ, and we see that model, that incredible model of the early church. They knew how to do life together, and they grew together. And because they were together so much in all their relationships not only did the church grow exponentially, but all those who were involved in the church, their lives were always growing and always moving forward for God. If there was a church that had margins for God, it was that early church. It was all about the Lord and their relationship with him. Part of our growth occurs best in community. 
if you're going to be serious about growing in the Lord, if you're really serious about putting God first and creating margin for him and margin for spiritual growth, it will always occur best in the context of a community. A God-honoring, God-fearing, God-loving community. It is all about relationships. And we grow through our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. And if you're not a part of that, you're missing out a key ingredient for your spiritual growth that God has designed. So how is your connection in the community that God has placed you? How are you connected? How are you fitting in? Have you found your place? These are some things we want to look at today. And maybe you haven't so far and you're feeling a little bit disconnected. And so you're coming and maybe you're popping on Sunday and maybe you hit us twice a month, maybe once a month. Maybe this is your month to come and we're glad you're week to come and we're glad you're here this morning. But you really haven't connected yet. Haven't locked in with the, with the family, with the body. Maybe you're, you're just too busy and there's so much going on and there's so much squeezing the life out of me and it's forced you to cut back on your relationships, cut back on groups, cut back on church, cut back on your participation in what is happening right here. I want to encourage you this morning to build relationships. We've got to be very intentional about building relationships And it won't happen if we just breeze in on Sunday morning and the moment I say bow your head and close your eyes, you're slipping out the back door trying to get to the restaurant. It just won't happen. And relationships are critical to our spiritual growth. Create margins. I want you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we will spend the bulk of our service right here this morning. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur, everybody say spur, one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. First of all, if we're going to create margin, we've got to create room to connect, we got to create room to connect with each other in the family of God. Now, now a lot, a lot of times you've heard this verse before, let us not forsake meeting together, and, and you've heard it as an excuse for the pastor to beat you up for not coming to church every single week. And uh, I've probably done that many times before over these last 33 years. And so we've always heard this to encourage church attendance, <clears throat> excuse me, and it does do that. But it's written at a time when the church, this early church, is undergoing extreme persecution. You've got to understand the context if you're going to know exactly what the scripture is talking about here. And so the church is going through extreme persecution. Christians are now being jailed. They are being tortured. They are being killed for their faith and for their testimony. And it's possible that they did not want to meet together because if they met together, they would draw more attention to themselves, bring themselves under more risk. They might be persecuted. They might be killed. They might come in at any given moment when believers are congregating or coming together and meeting together either in homes or in public meeting places. They might be arrested. They might be jailed. They might be beaten, all those things. And Paul's, and then the writer of Hebrews says, it is so important, keep on meeting together. Even though it may cost you everything, even though you might be jailed, even though you might be beaten, don't stop coming together as the manner of some is because out of fear, they quit coming together. Now, we don't have those problems today in America. They do in other parts of the world. 
But we don't necessarily face that in the USA. You can come up and come to church anytime. You can go to your group anytime. The police aren't going to come. They're not going to knock on your door. They're not going to haul you off to jail. And so we really don't even have any supposed excuses. But the writer of Hebrews says, you know what? Coming together is so important. Don't stop. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let persecution stop you. Don't let anything keep you from coming together because you've got to keep encouraging one another to hang on. You've got to spur each other to love and good works. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. Don't give up as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. The church is stronger when we begin to push each other, when we support each other, and when we do life together. We're stronger, you're stronger, we grow together. We were not created to be independent, isolated beings. God has always wired us for fellowship. He has wired us for community. He has wired us to be with him and be with other people in the family of God. When you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, not only did you surrender your heart to him, you became a part of his family. And we are a family today, and every member of the body of Christ makes up the family of God. We're family. You go back to the book of Genesis. God creates the world. He creates the universe and everything we see around us. The almighty creator is awesome, and he puts man in the garden. He says, take care of my garden. Watch everything. And by the way, you got a whole lot of pets. And he named all the animals, and they were all pets, and he's talking to them and trying to communicate. They're not communicating back. There's nothing going on there. There's animals everywhere, but the Bible said he was still all alone. Listen, you may, your dog may be like a kid to you, but Fido will never replace a husband or a wife or someone else in the body of Christ. And so he has all these pets. And the word says, it was not good for man to be alone. So God performs the very first surgery. He puts Adam to sleep and he takes out, out of his side, one of, a, uh, one of his ribs. We call it the spare rib. And he takes out the spare rib. And with the spare rib, he carefully forms Eve who was much better looking than Adam. And all the women said amen. And a lot more curves. And uh, they had the first marriage, all set up, all ordained by God. Now, I want you to notice something. Even though the word of God says be fruitful and multiply, the basis for marriage, the very first marriage, was not necessarily sexual. It was more out of companionship. The need that drove the relationship was it is not good for a man to be alone. And so that driving need led God to create Eve. And we know that it would also mean the propagation of the human race. But he says initially, it's not good for man to be alone. So the primary reason for marriage, for two coming together in a married relationship, is companionship. For married couples, I want to ask you a question. How is your companionship going? How's that working out for you? How's your friendship? Do you affirm your spouse? Do you encourage your spouse? Do you lift your spouse up? Are you best friends? Are you loving and caring and nurturing each, nurturing each other? Or are you just sharing the same house in isolation? 
Listen, there are so many couples today, they're going through the motions and they're married and they're married in name only and they carry the same name and they're living in the same house, sometimes in the same bedroom, sometime in another bedroom, but they're sharing a house and they go through that house and they go through day by day in isolation. Even though they've made their vows and commitments, they're living like two separate singles in the same dwelling place. Listen, your spouse should be your very closest friend on planet Earth. Your husband or wife, they're, 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 they're your best buddy. They're your best friend. They're, they're, they're what it's all about. My, my wife was, went out of town last week to go see her brand new grandbaby, and she got in Friday. And you know, she flew out the Friday before, and when they first fly out, it's like, oh yeah, I'm the king of my house again. I can do what I want to. I can tear up the house. I can eat leftovers. I can leave stuff in the sink. You know, I can, I can leave my clothes on the floor if I want. The bed, I didn't make it. And uh, guys can come over. We can do whatever we want to do. And, you know, just, and, and it's fun for about one day. And by day two, I'm saying, man, where is my wife at? Where is, and day three, and by day five, I'm climbing the walls because there's that companionship. There's something missing that's not right in my home when Jeannie is gone. And yet when she comes back, it's exciting and we share and do life together again. Your spouse should be your closest friend. Proverbs 27, 17, talking about the family of God, says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need honest friends in our life who will hold us accountable, who will spur us on to good works, who will encourage us in this spiritual journey we're on. We need honest friends who will keep us from becoming dull. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so without friends and family in our life, without the family of God in our life, we become very dull and boring. But that iron sharpens iron. Friends ask the tough questions. Friends hold us accountable. Friends will help you grow. And so therefore, if that's God's design for his church, for his family, you need to be connected. Mm. Honesty is the catalyst for all spiritual growth. Listen to Ephesians 4 and 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbors, for we are all members of one body. And so truth is the catalyst for spiritual growth. That truthfulness can only be cultivated in where there's open, honest community in the family of God. You go up, go to your group on Wednesday night, Thursday night, Tuesday, whenever you meet, Monday night, and you go to your group meeting and say, you know what, I'm, I'm having trouble today. It's been a rough day. This has is, this is not been going well for me. I'm having doubts in my mind. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And so we begin to share openly and honestly, and then your friends are there to encourage you and spur you on to good works. It doesn't mean you share your darkest secrets. You don't go in and tell everything about your past. But you can say, you know what, I'm lonely today. Or you know what, I'm having trouble forgiving somebody else. Or you know what, I'm feeling kind of discouraged. And when you're honest, it draws everybody closer together in your group or your circle of friends. But when you're always putting on the mask, when there's always that wall, when you're always afraid of becoming vulnerable, no healing takes place, no help takes place, no encouragement can take place because they don't know where to help. And we just go in and out. And growth never occurs. We're never spurring each other on because we don't know how to spur each other on to love and 
good works, honesty. Honesty draws you closer. And you may ask the question, Pastor, why should I risk being hurt? I don't want to be hurt. And if I open up, if I become vulnerable, if I share what I'm really going for, what if they turn around and hurt me? What if they really talk about me? What if they won't like me anymore when they see who I really am? I want to give you some four things real quick and jot these down. They're not on your notes. Put them down on the bottom. Write them somewhere. It's good stuff. Number one, emotional healing will occur. Emotional healing will occur. James 5, 16, and I want you to listen to the language very carefully. We use this a lot when we're praying for others. We don't read this scripture naturally, usually the one before it or after it. But James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. That's very an interesting passage right there. It says, confess your sins to each other. First of all, you doesn't say confess your sins to your priest or your pastor. Confess your sins to each other, to one another in the body of Christ. You say, Pastor, I thought all I had to do was go to Jesus. I thought he was my high priest. I thought he was my mediator. What's it mean, confess your sins to each other? You confess your sins to God so that you might be forgiven. No man can forgive your sins but Christ alone. Right? We believe that. That's part of the Protestant Reformation. Christ alone. Christ alone can forgive sins. I don't have to go to a priest to confess. I got a great high priest in Jesus Christ. I go to him anytime, morning, noon, or night, and he will forgive my sins. I confess to Jesus to be forgiven. But James tells us, confess to one another so you may be not forgiven but healed. You see, there's sometimes we carry baggage and junk in our life that weighs us down and we need emotional healing. I need a release. I need someone to hear, someone to talk to, someone to empathize, someone to encourage me, someone to help me along in my spiritual journey because then true emotional healing can take place. Now I want you to get, this is very, very important, get this. You confess to Jesus to be forgiven you confess to your one another in the family of God. And it may be your pastor, that's okay. But you confess to one another in the family of God so you might be healed. Healed. You, you, are you getting this? Many times, even though I say, Jesus, forgive me, somehow I still feel junk yucky on the inside. I still feel guilty or it still hurts or I still have this baggage that I'm carrying around wherever I go and I can't let my bags go. I can't drop it and yes, I go to the altar and yes, I pray but somehow I still feel lousy inside but when I confess to a brother or sister, I can find release because I've unburdened my soul to somebody else and they're there to journey with me and help me through and I get the encouragement I need to be healed emotionally. It's good stuff. Number two, one of the reasons you want to be open and honest and vulnerable in your relationships is it gives you a fresh start, a fresh start. Uh, Listen to Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. In other words, God can forgive any sin and only God can give you a second chance at life. And so it's that new beginning, that new prospering, 
And so God gives you a brand new start. Now what happens is when I confess to Jesus Christ, he forgives my sin. I got that new start, that new beginning. I can help somebody else who's going through their time of trial, their time of testing in a very unique way because I've been there and I've done that and now I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. And so he uses your testimony to help others. And if God gave me a fresh start, if God gave me a new beginning, he can do the same thing for you, and what an encouragement. Wow. Awesome, awesome. Fresh start, new beginning. Number three, power to change. When you're open and honest, then true change can occur. And until that happens, you will not change. James 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. God doesn't scold you. He doesn't shame you or put you down. But when you come to him in true humility and openness and honesty, what does he do? He lifts you up. When you're hiding and covering over sin, when you're acting like you got it all together, that I'm on top of this thing and I'm doing everything right and I'm a great guy, you are unable to change because you're proud. You got all the answer yourself. But if you humble yourself in the sight of God, if you confess to him, if you open up and are honest with others, then true change can begin to take place. And what does it say? And God will lift you up. We want everybody to think that I'm perfect, that I make no mistakes, that I'm, I got my thoughts are on all order, my mouth always says the right thing, I never have an ill thought about anybody else, I am really a wonderful, wonderful Christian, and we try to make others feel like we have got it all together. But what happens is, God cannot lift you up, you cannot grow in Christ, you cannot change. You can't change somebody who doesn't think they need to change. Healing, fresh start, the ability to change starts with honesty and openness with others. And number four, it deepens your fellowship when you're open and honest. Now, listen to this verse. This is awesome. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, see the word light? Speaks of openness, honesty, transparency. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Darkness implies cover-up. Darkness implies I'm hiding my sins, I'm hiding my life, but as long as you hide your sins, as long as you cover who you really are, you will never, ever have true fellowship. True fellowship cannot happen apart from honesty. It will always be surface. Your relationships will always be surface. You'll just kind of function and you'll be buds and you'll be acquaintances. But the spurring one another on to love and good works will not occur unless there is an atmosphere of honesty and transparency. He says if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we walk in light in our relationships The blood of Christ cleanses from every sin. That's awesome. And then he says, then we have fellowship one with another. True fellowship can only occur in the light. It can never occur in the darkness. Got it? There's a myth that if I am open about my fears and my hang-ups and my faults, people will think less of me. They will not like me anymore. I will not be accepted in their group. Really, the opposite is true. Honesty makes you more attractive because people realize you are not a fake, you are not a phony, but you are the real deal. What they see is what they get. 
God brought you into this church. God brought you to faith assembly of God to find wholeness. To find wholeness in this community, in this fellowship. If this is your church and this is where you worship and you're a part of this faith family that we talk about, you're here to find wholeness. Wholeness will come through honest relationships. And so you turn your hurts into wholeness when we are open and honest with each other. We have done our best here at Faith to create a community of believers that are inclusive, honest, and dedicated to growing in Christ. This is what we are about. It's what this community is about. It's about being inclusive, about being honest with each other, and it's dedicated to helping each other grow in Christ Jesus. That's why we're here. While we do church, we don't do it because it's Sunday morning and I got to find someplace to go and this is close to me and I live uh, two blocks down the road and I'll go to that, that church on the interstate. That's not why we're here. We're here to be inclusive and honest and dedicated to help others grow. Our small group meetings uh, allow the best platform and the blessed opportunity for safe, open, honest communication. I want to challenge you make room to connect. Make room to connect. There's another level you can go to. The second thing, it's also found in Hebrews 10, and it's make room to encourage. Make room to encourage. So there's got to be a connection first, and then out of that comes encouragement. And it says in verse 25, encourage one another. Everybody say that together. Encourage one another. Verse 24 says, spur one another on towards love and good works. If a rider is on a horse and he's got spurs on, what's he doing with the spurs? He's encouraging that horse to go faster. That little encouragement. And that encouragement at times for that horse could be a little painful, but when that horse crosses the finish line first and there is that sweet taste of victory, it's going to be worth it all. And so it is. Sometimes the spurring one another on to love and good works, it doesn't always feel good, but in the end, it produces a byproduct of holiness and righteousness, and we cross the finish line as champions. And so we're always spurring, encouraging, pushing one another along towards love and good works. Every believer needs to say, what can I do today which will encourage, motivate, and push someone to love more, love God more, and make make a greater impact for the kingdom of God? That's what we're here to do, right? Encourage one another. I need to encourage you to love God more. You need to encourage me to love God more. I need to encourage you to be kingdom-minded. What can I do to make an impact in the kingdom of God? Right? And now what I just read to you. You're looking at me like, boy, he's just making this stuff up. I just read it to you. It's right there. <laughs> Spur one another on. Encourage one another towards love and what else? Good works. To make a kingdom impact. You can't stir anyone if you're not in community with them in the first place. So this verse becomes obsolete if you're not going to be in church, if you're not going to be in community. Hmm. Encourage, that word, spur, you know, spur that horse on. you got the spurs on your heels. Encourage means to put courage within. 
If you have children, what do we do? We encourage our children, right? Don't, don't we try to praise our kids? Don't we encourage our kids? Don't we want to encourage our kids to do the very best at school they can do? Don't we praise them when they bring a good report card home so they will bring another good report card home the next time and the next time and we give them positive affirmation and we say, great job, and we're shouting for them or they make a basket and we're yelling and going crazy in the stands. We encourage them and we encourage them in the ways of the Lord. We encourage them by teaching them and by living a godly life in front of them, what does all this do? It puts confidence or courage inside of that child. Now follow me, I'm I'm leading somewhere with this. The greatest challenge our teenagers will face is something called peer pressure. So they will leave your safe home and they will go into their junior highs and they will go into their high schools every day and they'll hear the language, they'll see the lifestyles, they'll hear about the parties, they'll, they'll watch what's going on, they'll, they'll be tempted, they'll be told by their buddies, hey, you can smoke this, you can drink this, you can do that, you can go here, you can have sex over here, you can do this or that, and that peer pressure comes after them. So what has mom and dad been doing? Mom and dad has been encouraging them as they're younger. What are they doing? They're in putting courage inside of their life so when they get older to make their own decisions, they will have the withal, the, uh, the fortitude, the strength, the courage to say no. They will know what it means to love God. They will know what it means to feel good about themselves. Uh, They will know they were valued by God and they will not cheapen their life or their bodies by giving themselves away to somebody else. Where does that come from? It's the courage that you've instilled into them. So when the Bible says encourage one another, what we are doing is putting courage into your life so when you're out there in the world, you can be victorious. are, Are you getting this? Now, this is why you need mature believers in your life who will help disciple you to grow. And if you don't have that, there's nobody putting courage in your life. So you come to church and you put on your smile and you go to work and you stumble and you fall and you say words and you think thoughts and you have attitudes and you get grumpy and you... And you, and you you, do, you, you lust after women and you, you fall in these habits and you're doing all this junk. Why? Because there's nobody encouraging you. There's no mature believer putting courage inside of your life. Mm. And they can't stand when the pressure comes. That's why, that's why the writer of Hebrews says, listen, even though you may be put in jail, even though you may be beaten, even though you may be pay, pay a cost for coming together, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You can't make it out there by yourself. You can't do this life alone. You need courage to make it when the persecutors come or you renounce and you will deny the Lord. Do not. Do not, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much more as you see this day approaching. He could have been talking about the day of the Lord, but he's probably also talking about that day of intense persecution and tribulation and trials that are coming upon that early church. Hmm. How do you practically encourage one another? I'll give you three things and then we're going home. Number one, serve one another. Serve one another. It's another one of the one another's in the Bible. It says in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, 
faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When we serve together, we're encouraged. One of the things that's neat about being a part of the family that you can't do outside of a church or outside of a relationship with believers is you can't serve side by side with another member of the family of God. But when you serve together, you are enriched. They are enriched. You are growing exponentially because you're out there doing it together. As you give yourself away, God blesses you back in return. So I want to encourage you, serving kids ministry. You'll be a part of a kids team that works with children back there. Serving youth ministry. You'll be a part of that youth ministry team and you're lifting each other up and helping each other grow. Serving the prison ministry and you'll go with your coworkers and you'll set up the sound system and you'll, you'll learn how to preach the word of God and give an altar call and kids will be saved every Thursday night and you'll come, you'll be leaving that place saying, isn't this awesome? Serving the food bank and, and help that team who are giving food away and praying with people as they come through the lines and you give them their groceries and you give them a gospel track and the Christian music's playing in the background and you're praying with each team as a person as they're coming through getting groceries. They think they're coming for food. They're going to come and find life in Christ Jesus. And, 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 and nursing home, you go to the nursing home on Sunday mornings and you go with a team and you work together. And what happens is when you're serving together somewhere in the body of Christ, you will begin to grow. Number two, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Wow. We can apply the word of God to any situation and it's through the word of God we find encouragement. But how do we, how does it say to do it? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But it's talking about you as a group, you as a community, singing together. Why? Because you're talking about singing psalms and hymns. You don't song, it's talking about a, a group environment, a group setting. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It will give you encouragement for any situation. If you need healing, if you need forgiveness, peace, power, victory for anything, you apply the promises of God's word. Now, now let me tell you how our groups look and how they work. When we come together, there's usually a time of praise and worship, and we sing and we pray together and we lift our voices. And then uh, someone gets the word of God out, and they begin to talk about whatever the Lord has laid on their heart for that day. Usually they're going through a curriculum or talking about our messages and how to apply it to their lives and how to live that thing out. And they're asking questions, and the whole group is sharing and dialoguing together. And then there's a time of praying together and we pray together. And and it's in those small groups that we begin to open up and share what's really going on in our life. And we join hands and we join our hearts and we pray together and it's powerful. And then we break bread together and there's a time of eating and sharing and fellowship. My wife and I host a group and I'll never forget just recently we had our last group meeting and we had, uh, um, uh, started our, our last semester, our last group session, and we had about uh, four couples there on this particular session. And, uh, uh, or no, excuse me, the time before, that was last fall's group. Last fall's group, we were meeting. I had six couples for that group. They came to my house. We opened up our home. We were sharing together, going to read the Bible together, going to study together, going to pray together, going to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I remember the first week, we, we had our group meeting, and, and I got done, and it just seemed a little bit flat. You ever had it? Just seemed, I just I feel like we didn't connect. The group was new. They were all coming together. They didn't know each other. It was kind of a little bit of a struggle and all that. And then I discovered we had a singer in our group. And so the next week we had we opened up with praise and worship. 
And something happened. The Spirit of God came in. As we began to sing and praise the Lord, as crummy as our voices were, my voice, we had a few good singers in our midst, uh, but we had some who couldn't sing worth a lick. And, uh, but as we began to sing and praise the Lord and the Holy Spirit began to come down and move and prince, it changed the whole atmosphere of our group. I would encourage you, if you're in our group, Try to find a time to work in praise and worship. Praise and worship invites the presence of God. And that group became close. It became very connected. It became very real. And the change occurred after we began to praise and worship the Lord. And so this last group I had, the last session, I had a new uh, four new couples come in and I had a guitar player and a singer and man we had just some sweet sweet times of praise and worship and fellowship and every time we left that house we were always encouraged we were always lifted up and built up in the body of Christ and so make that a part that's what we do that's what our groups are for Filling, fulfilling Colossians 3.16 the last one is Colossians 3.13 and I must hurry it says bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Forgiveness is vital to sustaining relationships. Now let me tell you, when you're in a genuine relationship, there are times you're going to get upset. Right? Especially when open honesty comes in. And you're, you're going to upset each other. But if this scripture doesn't guide your, your relationships together, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you. If that's not happening... There'll be no true fellowship. There'll be no true relationship. There'll be no growth. He says, forgive as the Lord's forgiven you. How has God forgiven us? Unmerited, unearned, uh, no expectation, no strings attached, just simply God has forgiven us. Listen to me. In your faith family, hear me. In your faith family, you cannot hold grudges. You cannot harbor bitterness. You cannot stay mad at each other. We are a family. He says, forgive one another just like I've forgiven you. And if you're upset with somebody in this church, you better make it right. It's not right. You're not right in God's eyes. You can't expect God's favor, God's mercy, and God's grace if we can't begin to forgive. How ungrateful to withhold forgiveness when God has canceled every sin we've ever done. It's just not right. How many in the church, now listen, this, I want to just throw this statement out. And I'm, 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 I'm moving. How many are not in the church today because they're holding on to a grudge? There's some bitterness there. And what happens is when they withdraw, when they pull away, when they don't make it right, they become lonely, angry, miserable people all because they're mad at somebody else. I'm not going to that church again. You never know what they said and did about me, talked about me. I'm never, ever going back. Listen, if those things happen, you go and you make it right with that person and you work it out, you deal with it. It's your brother. It's your sister in the Lord. You don't pull away and say, that's it, I'm done. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Hmm. God has created us for relationships. We need to grow with others. We need to make a margin and a room for community and connection. It is very, very important in our lives. We will journey through life together. And as we do, we'll share victories and there'll be times of joy and laughter and excitement. We'll share valley moments as well when we're going through the tough times and we're going through the challenges. And we'll, uh, we will grow with an incredible deep love for our creator. 
and God will become so awesome in our life. Awesomer, if you can even say that, awesomer. But we have to build margin to make room to connect and encourage others. Maybe your life has been crazy busy. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm just too busy for group. I'm too busy for this. Uh, My life's too crowded. Listen, get rid of something else. Let me say that again. Get rid of something else. Make a margin. Make room. This is life. This is our highest calling is that growth in the Lord. You're too busy. Make room. There's something you got to let go of. One of the priorities is to make room for life together. It starts with being connected with your faith family. If you're not connected with your faith family here, I want to encourage you, first of all, it starts with LifePoint. We'll take you through four basic Say uh, we've mentioned Life Point a lot. You've seen some videos about it. You say, "What is Life Point?" It's that first entry point into the church. It's who we are, who you are, where my place is in the body of Christ, where my place is in connecting with others, and it's going to—it's an attract to get you involved and get you plugged in. If you have not yet been involved in Life Point, I, you know, if you want to join the church, fine. If you don't want to join, fine. I, I, that's that's up to you. But go through these classes, go through those courses, so you can get connected. It's kind of the next step entry points into the church it'll start again a new cycle will start again next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock so you can come to this service right here bam right after that go back to building six go into your life point class and life point one two three and four and you're done it's about 45 minutes long each session and uh, and, and you can get in on that I would encourage you to start right there you can sign up in the foyer of the church get involved in a small group there's a card in your bulletin I forgot everybody take that card out I forgot to bring mine up here. Uh, It talks about what do I need to let go of? What can I make room for in my life? How can I get plugged in? And then there's a website at the bottom. And I think it's faithishere.org slash groups. And you go to that link and every group that we have, our groups of faith come in every size, every shape, every color, every time imaginable. There is a time a group is going on somewhere around the body of Christ. We've got men's groups, couples groups, ladies groups. We've got groups in homes. We've got groups at the church. We've got groups, every kind of group imaginable. And you can go and look at our website and get plugged into a group. Spiritual growth and maturity starts with a choice. You can be, I said it last week, as close to God as you want to be. But you got to make a commitment to grow. And once you make a commitment to grow, you said, then I want to help my faith family grow. And you make a commitment to the lives of everybody else in the body of Christ right here. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.